0: Quartsman, the propaganda's wind stress feeding on my attention. My countrymen, they love their fiction. Words are now. Display with good intentions.
1: Welcome to one of two hundred, the independent politics and media podcast. This is your current events show for the week, covering the political and media news that. Has just been bombarding us uh, for the entirety of this year so far, uh, particularly with the election coming up on October the 14th in a few weeks.
0: Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. How's it going, Mark? Oh, it's really good. Nice to be here. Kyoto. ora koutou, everyone.
1: Uh, and first time to the cast, uh, my mate Lai. How are you doing, Lai?
2: <laughs> not too bad, brother. Not too bad. Kia ora koutou. Um, thank you for, for being gracious enough to to have me here man it's um yeah yeah it's really humbling so uh thank you and just for our audience where, where where do you come at this from um i i work well first off i just have to explain that my uh my my opinions and views are mine and mine alone <laughs> and <do not laughs> reflect the the uh, re- reflect the people that i work with and work for so yeah just uh from the from the outset these are purely my own my own uh my own views and opinions um but yeah i've spent the last uh, probably better part of six years working in digital marketing and advertising my the specifics of my role are basically more around insights and providing solutions um for a lot of our clients and a lot of that i think is just more or less just kind of seeing some of the trends that 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 emerge not just across uh, media in general, but just people's behaviors in terms of how they interact, engage with content. So yeah, I guess I guess for for me, I kind of like to think of myself as a person that's uh, looking at footprints, trying to figure out what the footprints are saying, why the footprints are there in the first place, and uh, what might be the motivation behind these people leaving these footprints. Yeah,
1: so welcome, mm. welcome to um, the world of podcasting. A whole bunch has happened this week, but we've we've got positive news, which is which is great. The do, do we say KJK or Posey Parker or whatever other pseudonym she uses uh, just last night uh, announced that she's not going to be visiting New Zealand on September the 20th for the court case that was occurring, uh, which is huge news because that has been a real source of stress and anxiety and worry for both the, the the trans and wider queer community. And especially in an election season where, you know, we've been saying since earlier in the year, this is going to be something that right-wing groups and, and fringe, more extreme groups are going to be organizing around. Um, and there are a lot of signs of that. To have that happening right up within a month of an election had the potential to be incredibly dangerous. Uh, so to hear that that trip has been canceled is... Yeah, just really fantastic news.
0: Yeah, do we know much about the situation? Because I know that there was an announcement on a stream, and then, um, but and people were still talking. I I was watching people still talking about whether to counter protest or not mm-hmm. after she made the announcement. Like it felt like the the information kind of spread out in quite a chaotic way, and it's not it's it's not clear to me what the impacts of that are going to be. I guess I would need to go online and have a look at what don't do don't, don't do it. Don't go no, I don't I don't really want to, <laughs> but um I it's important to be informed about this stuff. I think there's there, there is an undercurrent of organizing happening and I know that some of the other far right political groups were planning some sort of sequence of events. So there's some um Tāmaki bullshit happening at Parliament on the 28th. Uh, there's um, there's a, a bunch of quite psychotic right like far right like men were standing up for this thing on the twentieth in Auckland. Uh, it was it was getting somewhere. So I don't think that's going away. I think it's just really really good that um, that grifters either you know wh- whatever they say. Um, it's a huge financial investment and undertaking to to make a big trip like that and so if the backing isn't there and and it's just like feels like there's nothing to be gained from it that's a huge win
1: yeah if if the economics of it are just getting harder and harder for the far right to ship these these grifters around the world um as kind of wedge issue fanatics that that can only be a good thing
0: it's potentially career ending right this kind of thing like this is a like a major fuck up for her Um, and we should laugh in her face there's been some you know
1: consideration around the idea like you know actually she's been trying to like get buy-in about this and she's been grifting on the back of her trip back to New Zealand but that counter-protest the counter that happened last time she was here actually fucking worked she doesn't she doesn't want to come back because she doesn't want that to happen again
2: dude I was I was there
1: (laughs) yeah 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 I was there with you (laughs) (laughs) but it was like a a huge like positive like high energy turnout in the face of like the hate speech she had um and was going to try and platform her her tiny little crowd some of the things she was saying about counseling was just like oh new zealand's corrupt like i don't trust them to like keep me safe etc that that kind of thing okay cool fuck off yeah but so yeah some 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 good news uh, for the end of the week, um, and as you've said, Mark, uh, that doesn't mean that the far right here isn't still organising. One of the other pieces of the news, I think it was just the beginning of the week or end of the weekend, was that Kyle Chapman was arrested uh, up on guns charges. This is the yeah. a, a long-standing leader in the white supremacist, neo-Nazi, um, and far-right movements in New Zealand who has somehow continually avoided any serious consequences for for what he does in that space but yeah something obviously got serious enough that the police played paid him a visit and that's just down your way right mark
0: yeah that was in Christchurch so uh, without I don't think we really want to do this episode on like weird us um far right no. people but um there is some context there like there's a different level of organization in Christchurch because the um all the disparate groups who generally hate each other they they had like rented out this kind of shared space in the CBD like a while back um, around the Parliament protest, and they were trying to sort of mend those kind of fraction fractures and build some bridges and blah blah blah. And it didn't like nothing happened because they're all mediocre fuckwits who like have basically nothing. And I think like Chapman has been like trying to front as like a sort of secretary type guy for like a lot of different kind of angles and just trying to weasel his way into it. Um, but they like, like they had started to plan like um, basically um, survivalist kind of training camp type stuff. So that was the sort of context of this arrest. Um, I think several people got visits from the cops and it was a firearms bust, but um, he's, he was like, oh, there's going to be other charges um, because they took his laptop. Ooh. So um, <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been following that in detail, but it seems like the little little room 102 sort of because they always name shit after Orwell, right? it's always the people that have never read 1984 who talk about it the most. (laughs) Um, That was the name of the little, little thing. So hopefully that whole thing's been busted up, but like I was talking to some people and around that, and we were wondering if there was any relationship between these busts and this forthcoming visit that was planned, um, that there was going to be some kind of anti-trans thing. And then some later kind of thing in, in parliament and like who was behind, like, I'm not following that stuff close enough to really know, like, Byron or the fact people would probably have a much better um, understanding of like who's doing what and where. But it it did seem like there was quite a concerted, ongoing kind of push to sort of escalate things before the election, sort of late September, early October kind of protest time.
1: Yeah, I guess, um, you know, that's that's your fringe groups. But while we're still talking about far-right organising, the ACT Party has been at it again this this week, um, making more jokes about terrorism targeting the ministry of pacific peoples which just continues to make me fucking sick um as as does the response of other politicians and media just constantly refusing to call it out Uh, this was at the um the finance spokesperson debate in queenstown what a fantastically stupid idea for a venue none of the people on stage including jack tame the moderator seem to to want to do anything except speak directly to this incredibly niche crowd of white landlords um, and high-end business operators. Despite this being a finance spokesperson debate and, you know, in the middle of an election, we really should be focusing on national issues and not this incredibly narrow uh, subset of business concerns. We've put a few uh, tweets uh, and a clip up about this Nicola Willis is kind of dipping into the pseudo-racism uh around defunding the Ministry of Pacific Peoples, uh, because everyone loves to to beat up that kind of shit. And Jack Tame takes kind of a, a little dig at um David Seymour around his previous comments to to ask what uh Willis would do about the funding for Ministry of Pacific Peoples under a national government. And David Seymour, like turns to the crowd, was like this smug as fuck. Smile on his face and says they should up their security funding if if actors in parliament with national in in government with national and has a has a big old laugh about it. The crowd laughs. I, I i you can't really tell, but a few of the people on stage laugh along with him as well. And and just
2: fucking crickets.
1: Lie, you're gonna cut in there.
2: Oh no, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, like honestly, like that stuff. Uh, that of just. Flipping infuriates me every every flipping time when they feel that oh you know we need to you know I don't think we're doing that well in the polls. Uh, a whole bunch of my peeps have uh, resigned. I know. Let's pick on a marginalized group: brown people, gay people, you know, people that are struggling with addiction, people on the benefit. It's just yeah, you know. It, and and then you see the stuff that kind of happens with um, just recently the stuff with uh, with this also you know I mean it, it it's it's disgusting because the thing that made me really angry is that everybody laughed why wasn't everybody saying dude the fuck is wrong with you what is wrong with you we literally only what well, only four years ago the fucking Australian came over and literally murdered you know 50, 50 New Zealanders you know and and you're flipping laughing about stuff like that. You know, that's your joke. That's your go-to. And I also kind of feel like one of the things that I, that I, that I really dislike because, I th- uh, <clears throat> yeah, just uh, the people that should be kind of holding him to account, uh, especially in the media when they interview them, um, are just too flipping soft. Too soft on the guy. Why are, we, <laughs> why are we giving this guy a pass? I think it's more reflective of a culture that we kind of have in terms of how we, how we view, you know, people that aren't part of, you know, that aren't white or male. And, uh, I mean, I think, for example, when uh, when Simeon, when Simeon Brown had death threats, had like a valid death threat. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that they acted on that. You know, the thing that was really disappointing is that you know he didn't turn around and say to Goree's or the other female politicians, "Hey, look, you know, I really feel, I really feel for you." You know, that shit is you know unacceptable. Like, you know, he didn't. When that stuff happened to him, you know, everybody was worried. But when that stuff is like consistently happening to uh, female MPs, I mean, it happened to uh, Jasinda and when it keeps happening to uh, Nanaya Mahuta or any of the uh, or any of the other you know, MPs who who are Maori or Pacific Islander, nobody says anything, so it's just like, bro, it's yeah, it's a so fucking yeah, it's pretty disgusting in my opinion. I'm sick of kind of seeing stuff like that, and so it's just really disheartening, but. At the same time, I feel encouraged at the still. I like to believe that there's, you know, a lot of people that are watching, the people that will vote, the people who aren't necessarily on Twitter, but they kind of see that. They see this. Oh, okay. I'm looking and I'm seeing who's laughing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I hope it's those people that will get out and, and vote and do something about it. So, yeah.
1: You mentioned Afeso, uh, so for those who aren't aware, uh, because it's barely being covered. There's a piece in the New Zealand Herald, really fantastic um, report from uh, Joseph Losse because officials had a serious death threat um, that was considered valid enough for um, the police to investigate um, and and follow up with the the person who made it, and you know just like you know last time some of this stuff came up around uh, Simo making his original um, comments about his his fantasies that the ministry would be blown up. You know that same day, having, having it, it being revealed that he's been running this uh, for months and, and hundreds of meetings, two dudes turned up and were abusing staff at the ministry itself. They they felt empowered to do that. This this stuff enables people to do this stuff. It, it makes it seem like it's an okay thing for them to do.
2: No, was no, more you know, not just okay, not just okay. It it makes them feel that yeah, I'm going to be a hero if I go out and I do this. I'm gonna be like, you know, a martyr for for you know, for being the guy that that's standing up for for you know what's actually right, making sure that you know we we reserve our place that our women are safe and all of that other kind of rubbish that they that they talk about. Yeah, Adam, how Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's the taking our country back narrative um, that sort of emerged, and it's 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 a big theme this election. It's it's really disappointing because I think it was avoidable. Like we could we could have seen it in the us we could have seen it in the uk we actually had an opportunity as a broader community to come together and say this is we're not going to do this here this is unacceptable yeah um and especially like you said like after the events in christchurch in 2019 i thought that would have been a wake-up call like like we really can't let this stuff happen here um but i don't know have, have, have the media forgotten Is there people in the media that care and is just like the general standard of like broadcast is like there are people in the media who
1: who want to drive this narrative like actively they're actively not just complicit but they are leading this narrative forward they're providing the space for it to happen you know not um, people reporting on politics to the same extent although they leave so many gaps uh, and available hooks for this stuff that they may as well be just following in the footsteps of the opinion writers and commentators who are full-throated uh, in empowerment or outright uh racism and you know nearing on hate speech that regularly gets platformed um and headlined by many of our establishment media companies
0: well, it's sort of happening today. Like I just, I flipped through Twitter unwisely. Um, I always laugh at that when I come on this podcast for some reason. <laughs> um, this morning as I was coming in and I, I saw that they've they have pivoted to like some 50k breakfast or something that the ministry had. So it's just like it's an ongoing thing. And, like, and without thinking about the context of it at all that's just like oh they're having a go again but it's like there's no time to discuss what happened um at that broadcast the other day because we're now onto the breakfast and chris hopkins actually had a fantastic and barbara adams had a fantastic response to that when jason
1: walls was kind of trying to hammer at them on like is this acceptable to have like this much um spent on a breakfast um and Hopkins said what are you talking about you know this is 700 plus people at a breakfast being like well off or being business sponsored shouldn't be what it takes for our Pacific communities to actively engage with the democratic process. And he's absolutely correct. And and then, yeah, had a, had a dig at them for um, going after minorities in every situation where this happens. And I hope that gets a, a bit more play around because it is absolutely how they should be responding. But it's the fact that the media are doing this and you can see the frustration with which Hepkins and Edmonds are having to deal with this because it's it's just completely unserious. Like we know that this isn't a real argument and the people, the media asking us, know it's not a real argument. They know that the numbers are fine. Like it's not an issue that we're yeah. having these um, these kind of events. It's like when yeah. people complain about a conference costing like $100,000 I mean, and then you look at it and it's like 2,000 people attended and then they are actively misrepresenting what the numbers mean. To make an austerity argument um and when they can they add an attack on a minority as well because they're fucking sickos
2: No, they are but i also think too i and and i th- i think one of the interesting things and i think this is going to be i think this is going to be a long this is going to be like a real struggle i think moving forward probably forever is just i i i think in terms of just how uh just in terms of like the monetization of especially for media now especially digital media is that you know, it's more catered towards the stuff that makes that pisses people off, that makes people angry. So, you know, it kind of feeds into that because if you can kind of put out all of these, all all of these inflammatory headlines or these um, half truths, especially leading up to an election, and especially if uh, the if if uh, the decision makers and these organizations are, are connected, uh, financially connected to a lot of these parties. Um, yeah then you know a lot of it's understandable with 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 why there's kind of such a there's such an incentive for them to kind of push a lot of that a lot of that narrative they make money from it um and so i guess the hope the hope too is uh hopefully swaying people's opinions and kind of voting against their own interests um for a party that's you know purely looking out for themselves nobody else
1: yeah i'm not sure that i even there's definitely an like a a thread running through like some of these media decisions around okay yeah outrage bait clickbait uh kind of stuff let's let's use this because it's what draws people to our site but it's I'm past that. I'm past the point of, of letting them use it. That solely is a justification. Eh? I
2: know. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, Kyle. You're exactly right because it's not a justification. I'm just kind of talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, of- because, like, because that's pretty much what they've been doing for the last, I think, since, since, uh, uh, I think, for the last two election terms. Yeah, that, that that's where it really started to kind of shift gears because it was no longer about you know investigative reporting or having um, you know, really kind of detailed examinations of policy or whatnot, you know, it's completely changed.
1: Yeah. And we've been saying it's... that since the beginning of the year. Like the yeah. tenor of the media is just
2: so weird,
1: this election. And it's it's actually got better as we come into the campaign proper. Like it feels like mm. more balanced, which is like ludicrous to say. But earlier in the year, it was rabidly anti labor and anti greens in ways that I hadn't really seen before.
0: I know, I know. That's what's so frustrating about it. It's become more balanced, I think, because um, there have been policy announcements from the major parties. And for a long time, there was just a vacuum. Yes. And so really, like, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, like how um, the right wing in New Zealand has been campaigning, like, continuously for two years. Um, Pretty much since 2021, where, you know, things started to change and it started to look like, hey, whatever consensus around... um, this kind of social response to um at the state level to this this fairly um fairly abrupt economic transition that happened um and it turned out a lot of people got freaked out by that a lot of people in business and whatnot um and we we don't need to relitigate all that we i think we've talked extensively about that on this podcast in the past actually but um and like, you could probably go back and actually trace those discussions and observations of like, hey, something's changing. Hey, something weird is happening. Um, but now that now that the parties are actually making statements about what they might do or what they want to do, I think this is kind of tying into a point that I wanted to make just on that, that um there is this kind of latent narrative that supports the right wing kind of thing, like austerity based thinking around public spending and take our country back um and labor haven't really counted that so labor are going into this election with the most banal and kind of vapid campaign slogans of like we're in it for you Um, we've got your back (laughs) like like what the hell is that like that's like like it's individualist for starters but it's not like take our country back is so much more powerful than that because Mm. it's it's collective like it's saying like there is a majority and there's a minority and we're going to fucking do this, you know, it's, it's like, like, we've got your back, like, who's we like, it's the Labour Party. Um, do people feel that, you know, uh, so there's not like, there's not a narrative at that level that's countering that, um, that latent kind of attitude, yeah. and those sort of desires to, to, um, to gotcha, and gatekeep around austerity, cliches, and, and all of that stuff That's well developed. And there's just simply not there's there's not really an effective kind of um, policy and communications sort of platform that the the current government is is using in their campaigning. So like while like Hipkins has asked a question, he will absolutely destroy them because he's he's a good debater and he speaks well. I don't think he's a great orator, but he he certainly knows what to say. And yet that's not really doing anything because he doesn't have that platform of like existing kind of sentiment and uh, like a kind of campaign structure that actually gives him something to stand on it's really noticeable and it's it's it does I don't think the media is like right-wing biased necessarily it's just that there's this latent kind of um, atmosphere that's being driven by these little little stabs little kind of like who do we show and who don't we show like all that sort of stuff that we we talk around about like how, how media bias like actually operates like kind of operationally. But we're not, yeah, we're just, we're not seeing discussion about that in the media either. Like they're yeah. not thinking about the context of the election and how they present themselves. They're not showing the public. Oh, they're beyond kind um, of critical sort of.
2: Any yeah, it's not like a
0: frenzied kind of state at the moment, you know, yeah. but we were talking about 2019 and there was like a long period of reflection and a lot, there was a lot of kind of, of public debate for a long time in that first part of that um, that government term, um, the coalition government at that time, where these things were being discussed. And it's like, what kind of country do we want to have? What kind of media environment do we want to have? Um, how should we treat minority people? How should we kind of reconcile the way that we've treated people in the media in the past? Like, these were all discussions that were being had. And it just feels like, oh, and I thought, like, this is great. Like, we can, like, get somewhere with this. But We've gone like way back. We've gone like worse than John Key levels back.
1: Yeah, we're like people were earlier in the year we're comparing um, what National Act were gearing up for as being close to Don Brash. I think it might be worse at this point yeah. in some respects. Um, and part of that is like, even if National aren't campaigning directly on it, they are leaning heavily into the weight of that narrative. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a really good point around Hepkins not having the a weight of, any narrative behind him uh, because a lot of the stuff has been seeded for the last two years. You know, uh, the taxpayers union and other groups, the free speech uh, union, um, people like Julian Batchelor, for the last two years, they've been roadshowing the stuff around the regions, uh, around the country, um, making these attacks on co-governance, for example, in preparation for it to become the underlying narrative of the selection. That's the stuff that catchphrases like take or back on track, or end division by race, uh, or take our country back, that's what it stands up in. Like, yeah. we're, without that narrative there, like, in the background, but, and only in the background because no one is interrogating it, to, to be clear as well, these things fall over. They, they can't stand up in the same way because there are no baseline assumptions that they can be tied to. And it's just... There are so many ways to solve for this, and no one with the ability or means to do it decided decided to to do anything about it.
2: I think, I think, I think for me, and and like my biggest one of my biggest issues that I have with 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 labor is that why are you staying? Why are you working so hard to stay in the middle? Like that's it. They're doing everything they can to stay in the middle when that's not where they should be. Where they should be is basically trying to make. You know, come out with policy which is actually saying, yeah, actually we do have the money to, to actually make transformational changes. That was the mandate that they were given, and they haven't, for whatever reason, they still feel like, oh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to stand on this arbitrary line to make it look like we're we're, we're balanced and fair. But the thing is, you're you are not up against balanced and fair people. Like that's the thing. These are these are, yeah, we. We, we 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 know the kind of people that 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 are really kind of buying into a lot of the uh, a lot of the narrative that's being pushed. And so, you know, I I, I think again, like I said before, we started recording. It, it's it's basically why I fuck with the Greens and uh Pāti Māori because from day dot they've been the only ones that have really been saying, hey, you know, that stuff that you guys are talking about is a bullshit i think we should actually be be doing things to better and change people's lives that you know government shouldn't be a business you know what's the point of a surplus what's the point of a surplus if your people are starving if if they can't you know afford to, to to feed their families you know what's the point of having a government if 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 you're letting like supermarkets and landlords dictate the prices of the price and cost of living because that's basically what it is like those should be the clear moments where government should be intervening and saying hey you know you guys are too greedy because <laughs> <laughs> you're, <too> <laughs> you're too greedy you know you're gonna fuck up the market so yeah pull your head in for me that would be like the most simple and effective you know solution to it like actually do your job your jobs to make sure that people looked after and i think that's that's one of the things that i you know, when I have conversations with friends or or people about these things, um, you know, because there's always a, oh, you know, people need to kind of work hard and, you know, you know, we shouldn't have to have to, uh, you know, look after people that are, you know, that are bums or all of this kind of stuff. But it's like, no, hang on, you know, the majority of people, pretty much the large majority of people want to do stuff. The majority of people want to make sure they have enough. That's it. Just to be comfortable, to make sure that, 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 that your family's fed, that you can pay your bills, that you have uh, a safe place to stay or to live. I don't think those things are too much to ask, and so yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, we can, you know that's stuff that we can actually kind of push for and and uh, and achieve, but people are just too fucking greedy, and they don't want to, they don't want to, <laughs> for whatever reason, they don't want to tell those guys to pull their heads in. I'm like, Bro, what are you doing? Yeah,
0: it's immensely frustrating, and I did I I, I had hope in the first part of the like the coalition government period that there would be some changes but i've come to i've come to realize that that this whole um new zealand is kind of trapped in a in a sort of um hamster wheel or kind of groundhog day scenario with like 1980s ideals of how things should be run and we just haven't been able to break through that we haven't been able to kind of crack out of that thinking so it always comes back to like this this kind of baseline and labor Try to to do a lot of stuff to change that through policy in terms of um, public investment and various initiatives. And like co-governance is an example of of that. Um, But what they didn't do was explain to the public and justify it to the public and create a narrative and a kind of cultural shift around that. So um, the neoliberal hamster wheel wasn't going to allow for things like that. Um, Even though co-governance was started under national, Mm. Um, and, it, you know, it's, and it's much more complicated than um, like governance and just generally like how society runs is much more complicated than the narratives. And we're just we, we, we can't have conversations about that because we, we just have to keep going back to these kind of simple cliches about everything. Yeah. And it's um, I think, yeah, like this election is just really putting in a very stark kind of contrast, like what's at stake? Um, and people don't, th- but the narrative around the election on the right is like, it's kind of, it, it It actually acknowledges that to the extent that, you know, take our country back, take back control type stuff is like, that's serious, you know, that's a big, that's important. It's severe, it's full on. And I, I feel like the, um, yeah, like Te Pāti Māori and the Greens are, are trying to push uh, like a similar level of intensity in terms of like, this is important. The, the need for change is really important. And we just we haven't. I think it's not just labour, but in just this general sense of like what's what are the guardrails of of discourse that's allowed in the media? What must we do to be friendly to business? Like all this kind of stuff that's just it's preventing. But for some reason, it doesn't prevent the the right wing um, intensity from from being covered. It just prevents the sort of um, anything that's like tiny little bit socialist is just like mm. off the table. Yeah. Can't can't have that. When the baseline is austerity and racism, they just let it slide, right? Like,
1: and this is why it's so disappointing to see people in the media uh, just refusing to do that. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to say, okay, cool, we're not going to do a racism. You know, that's not difficult, folks. A lot of us wake up and do it every day. Or if not doing it every day, we are actively trying to do it. Uh, And it seems the the media at large uh, are incapable of that. What's been really sad, pathetic, is that there? There are these attack lines that are, you know, the, the the way the water flowing downhill kind of situation for the media. That for national, just despite having everything uh, propping them up, um, despite playing on easy mode, they've still left them o- themselves open to these austerity attacks um, and these kind of financial uh, economic management attacks because. So much of their policy is incoherent. And they're, right. they're refusing to release numbers. Uh no, they can't really say how yeah. this stuff is going to work. Um, and it's been in the news for almost a month now around their tax yeah. plans. Like yeah. they're mm. offering this um this cut because they're trying to tap into that um, cost of living stuff, the people's desperation, the need for change. And it's very, very clear that what they're gonna do is fuck up everything, probably lean heavily on public service cuts uh and blame it on act to fund these tax cuts because they can't justify them or fund them in any other way. And especially not with the current policies they're proposing.
0: Yeah, so the media is on top of that side of it quite well um, because that's their kind of bread and butter, but they don't like the water running downhill is quite an interesting metaphor there. I think that's the part of it that isn't really being understood or engaged with. I think the most telling remark by Seymour in the last week wasn't, wasn't any of the bullshit and kind of, and threats and whatnot. It was when um, he was asked um, about, about this national nonsense and and this one was actually incredible. And and he was like, it doesn't matter. And I was just like, he's right. Like that's like, that's the truth. That's, and that's actually why Seymour is doing well, I think, because he, he just will stand up and speak these things that are kind of, they're outrageous because they, they breached the guard the discourse guardrails. But if imagine if if like a left-wing politician stood up and said similar things, but from like a dirtbag socialist point of view. Oh, goodbye. How insane people would lose their minds over it. Um, but you know, people on the left, they lose their minds over Seymour doing racism and 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 baiting and, and all the nonsense that he gets up to. But I think like that remark to me really showed like what's mm. What, like what's actually going on here like because he was right like it doesn't matter national do not give a fuck about being coherent and they they are just they're a narrative organization and they are yeah. buoyed by this this funding and sort of popular support that's um started to but if you look i think that the other thing i'm oh, sorry i won't go on and on go on, and on please at risk of going please, off yeah, of here, that um one of the things that people on the left need to grapple with here is that um, I think you hinted at it before, Kyle, that ACT, ACT are like are not a separate party to National in that sense of like uh, at odds with the kind of agenda. Um, National use ACT for certain reasons. ACT see themselves as like using National. Uh, if you look at all these donations, how many of these rich listers have put money to both? Like. Yeah. That to me is like very indicative of what's going on here. Um, and what and so when Seymour says something like that, he's the one like, who's, who's really kind of calling the shots. He's acknowledging that it is just a narrative and they that, and I, I just don't understand why journalists um and why it's only Media Watch that's allowed to talk about this stuff don't basically say stop, stop trying to psyop us, just fuck off. Like, like you you, you don't call the shots. You're, you're a worthless like worm. you're a politician. like everybody hates you. Like w- we will tell like, what we want about you. Um, and they can't do that for business reasons, you know? It's the same as everything else. Um, but I know I'm sure that quite a few journalists would love to be able to, to, <laughs> to, to talk about politicians like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but um, certainly I think we're, in, we're in kind of in this situation where it's like very clear that um, there's a momentum that's built up around this. And um it's not enough for the left to try to counter it with like facts or yeah. with rebuttals of like, oh, this doesn't make sense. It's like, of course it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean I know that it doesn't make sense. Thus saying it openly, what are you gonna do about that?
1: We haven't been able to like that shifted in twenty sixteen, right? Like we've known that this is coming in yeah. New Zealand. We've, and yeah. we've been on and on and on about it. We've been <laughs> we've been <laughs> podcasting for five years talking about this shit. Um, and that kind of shift to what, what's like called post-truth or whatever. But like, that's all bullshit. Like, it's just politicians lying about what the outcomes of their policies are going to be. And that's all it really comes down to. Lying about that with the understanding that they can make claims in bad faith because there are narrative and environmental conditions that means the, the rhetoric sticks for the electorate. And with the understanding... That no one in media and politics is going to call them out for it effectively because of the way that media models have developed over the last hundred years. Like and it's very easy to stop. You just say, okay, no, we're not, we're not playing this anymore. This is ridiculous. Like, we're not gonna run your um press release as our headline. We're not gonna uh, run a headline saying labor sucks, Luxon says, you know. Um, it's very easy not to do that stuff. Uh, and this is where we get into some of that uh discussion of to what extent media organizations are just complicit they have just bought into it they're part of the establishment um and they are doing this because they want to be close to power
0: rather than hold power to account and That's there's awesome. a mood for change
2: <laughs> but i think too maybe you know to their point as well to, to both of your points i think it's also that you know that proximity to power it's it, you know it's also about them being comfortable you know, because when you, I mean, to your point, Mark, is that, yeah, you know, media could come out and literally say, um, you know, and actually speak the truth and tell, you know, these guys to fuck off. But, you know, like you said, um, yep, their jobs are on the line. But at some point, that shouldn't matter, especially if you know that if you don't say anything, um, like literally lives will be impacted, if not destroyed, because of it. I mean, when you've got When you have that coming out saying, oh, yeah, we're going to get rid of like 15,000 public servants before, you know, that means all of those families, those are like 15,000 families that are going to be, you know, jobless, you know, and you can just say, oh, yeah, 15,000 public servants. It's like, dude, have you actually stopped to consider what a public servant actually is? So there could be like nurses, doctors, people that actually make things happen and work in government, because every person that you lay off, that's actually a family that's impacted.
1: I don't know how they get away with this one, where they where they say, "Oh yeah, we're going to make all these cuts, but frontline services won't be impacted."
2: No, no, (laughs) yeah,
1: that's against the laws of physics. Like, it's not just that's not just a policy setting. That's you can't you can't make that claim under the current settings. You know, like it's let's um let's do a final uh, little pivot to some of these policies. Though, Um, we've had a couple of policies come out just at the end of the week. from Acton National, the first one from Act is uh, that he's gonna—they're gonna hire more doctors to review the, the the illnesses of people that are on the benefit uh, to kick them off the benefit, um, especially for people who are mentally unwell and addicted to drugs.
2: He actually is a flipping goal because you know the, the you know the whole line is is basically feeding off um, a lot of people's prejudices towards. Not just people that are struggling, but also people that are suffering from legitimate addictions that actually need more complex um, standards and levels of care that they've never received before. I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, and I think I was reading is that anyone who's suffered an addiction, you know, it isn't, you know, a lot of those kind of behaviors are because of things that have happened to them in their past. And like a lot of people that are in poverty, I mean, like you said, like poverty is a political decision, you know. It's not just because people don't want to work. You know, you've either put people, you've made political decisions which have uh, limited the options that they've had or the opportunities that they've had to kind of grow or earn an income or support their families. And so, a lot of those people that they're targeting um, are literally victims of that. And to then turn around and say, oh, you know, you know, we're gonna, we, you know, we're, we're we're gonna be making like some kind of cost-benefit analysis on the value of these people's lives and see if we're gonna chuck them off or not. You know, that's, that literally doesn't help anybody. It doesn't change anything. It actually makes things worse. And just to think that that's your, that's your go-to? The guy's a ghoul. What the hell?
1: Yeah, I think we've seen this um, play out from both Acton National and even Labour over the last few decades, right? It's pure, it's what we call beneficiary bashing. It's just trying to grind through a few more votes um, while putting a, another marginal group uh, in the firing line. Mark, any 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 thoughts on it beyond beyond the obvious?
0: Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on it because it's so stereotypical and just cliched. I just I think what I said before is is my current thinking on this. That um, we're stuck in this hamster wheel yeah. and policy announcements like this. I don't think it's serious policy. I think it's fundamentally unserious, and it is just about votes, um, just using prejudice. But it is um, it, it diminishes us all the more that we we accept this kind of, this rhetoric about people in our communities um, and the more that we talk about, uh, talk about people um, in this very, yeah, very kind of black and white judgmental way, like it's just, it shouldn't be part of politics and we need to change our political culture on a massive level to sort of, you know, stuff like that should just be off the table. But um, I guess the issue is that it's not, it's the communication loop between politics and the sort of voters that want to, want to eat that stuff up. And so maybe we need to be talking about why, why are other people in our community so dismissive towards Mm. their neighbors, you know, Um, or in many cases and like this is the whole act thing. They don't want to have neighbors. That's Mm. the whole point. They fucking hate other people.
2: They don't Um, want a community.
0: Yeah, exactly. They don't want to. And so but that the problem is, if people are like you know, the baseline is that everyone is an individual and communities don't exist. That that drives like loneliness and depression, and it just create it creates a horrible society because society doesn't go away. Humans are social; that's mm. how we function. Um, we need community, but um, so that doesn't go away. But what we do is we just diminish it. Um, and so I think that that's to me is the challenge here. It's not so much about the political nonsense that's being sort of spun it's it's about how do we actually challenge the kind of bedrock assumptions that are driving that um i wish i had better answers unfortunately (laughs) it comes back to that narrative stuff right that we're talking about like
1: there's just a lot of hard stuff to shift and there's been a vacuum for so long in this space um and especially in the run-up to this election that people can just throw this shit into the like into the playpen um, yeah, yeah,
0: and- it shouldn't be able to work so easily, you know, yeah. we should have learned some lessons from the past. And the fact that it was floated after all the other stuff we talked about, you know, I think that was on Thursday or Friday, wasn't it? That's, it's just ridiculous. And it shouldn't be even be a headline. It no. should just be like, act says another bullshit line about um, about beneficiaries, like, that's small print, right? That's not. It's not headline. Yeah, news. same as it ever was kind of stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah
1: um, Of course they are. Of course they're doing this. The other policy uh, that came out recently is the national party kept policy. Mark um, immediately uh, cracked as soon as I sent those words. Uh, Mark, do you want to just take us through that
0: quickly and and what your um, criticisms of it are? So I found this kind of interesting. Like, I haven't read all the documents and stuff because I just I can't bring myself to care that much about. National party <laughs> materials but and I probably should but um my like my understanding is that um there's there's been a there's a couple of parts to it, right and it's actually it's related to some of the tax stuff as well um that um they basically want to fast track immigration for people who have gone to like a top 100 university um and they're looking at like 400k salary like tech salaries kind of is the band that they're looking at of like, these are the bright new immigrants that will be really important for New Zealand's future. And then this whole, like, I, I, I haven't quite got my head around how it ties into this um, foreign foreign um, property buyers tax thing, but that was the fact that they were pushing that in such a big way, and it just made no sense and was so incoherent. And then they, they announced this other thing. It, it's... To me, and again, I'm—I know I'm kind of digging deeper to, to try to find like the sort of whatever is the underlying <laughs> trend here. Um, but that's just the way that I think. I'm—I'm I'm sorry, everyone. Um, that um, it was because so, I was—I was wondering about this for a while. I feel like these these things have kind of confirmed this more um, that there's a a real interest in opening up the country to um, a sort of Silicon Valley type um, entrepreneurial sort of. Um, it's kind of like a meta colonization almost like they want, they they want to, to really go back to that, you know, 2015, 2016 frenzy where it was all about, all about these tech overlords migrating here and, and it was going to change the economy in all these ways. Um, I think like as always in these policies, like the, the, it's it's a like a draw the rest of the fucking L kind of thing. There's like, how do you get this amazing economy that you were talking about and there's like there's no path from a to b it's n- none of that's explained it's just that if we have a whole bunch of these um and and like they talk about software engineers right but like really really it's not i don't think it's about that i think it's about a, basically um entrepreneurs and um and a bunch of like people who m- maybe have sold sold a startup or something and have like millions of dollars and can kind of come over here and just operate like these little feudal lords, sort of like mm-hmm. a kind of oligarch, sort of like a sort of lower level than oligarchs. Um, it's hard to explain. There's like a kind of band of like, and it's like, well, these guys would be like nothing over in Silicon Valley because there is like billionaires and stuff messing around there. But they kind of want this this sort of substrate of these guys that um, they maybe they see as kind of as a future donations base. Maybe they see as like, um, as this is the, you know, New Zealand doesn't have a tech industry. We're just sharecropping on like US technology, um, so we might as well just be you know upfront about it. And so it's 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 really weird. Like I kind of um I haven't got like I haven't got my head around it fully, but it seems yeah to me like it's a shift from like we we need people like Peter Thiel and Gabe Newell and you know all of these these actual like oligarch types. Um, so, you know and even people like James Cameron, similar, um, and like, you know, they're, they're not all right-wing freaks, and they're not all funding like Bannon-style culture wars, but it is like a kind of level of like, who in the US are we appealing to? And mm. it's basically saying we should be appealing to these kind of multi-millionaires, and or like these kind of younger people who are on like incredibly high salaries. And it's just like, well, I don't, I do not understand why it's so targeted. Um, and so maybe I need to get my head around that more. But like, like I say, I'm like, I'm not so interested in the policy details because I think um, this is where I do agree with David Seymour. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. It really is about like a statement of like values. Like, and to me, the statement of values is that um, that New Zealand is no longer going to have a tech industry. Uh, we're going to be outsourcing everything, and these guys, you know, these guys are going to come in. They're not going to be seeing. New Zealand as a destination to like build their next business. They're seeing it as like get out the fuck, of, get the fuck out of Silicon Valley. Like I'm free, you know. I don't yeah. have to do this shit Time to anymore. To head to the bunker. I'm um, like, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's like it really appealing for like kind of mid mid career mid level people in Silicon Valley to 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 get off the rat race. So I don't know why the fuck the like national well, thing or for escape these, the climate crisis. Yeah, these people are going to. Care about the New Zealand economy, or you know, like building a better future here. Because if they want that, they shouldn't have rules around immigration, and they shouldn't worry about salary bans or anything like that. They should be open to people from all over the world who want to come here uh, and make a, you know, like contribute. Like mm. it's not, it's not about, um, it's 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 not about these little like rules and kind of, and and bans. And the other thing, like the other thing, I'll add. And this is maybe me just being cantankerous or um, (laughs) or sort of biased, but like when you say like it's uh, the top one hundred universities are like more more valuable, that's like a massive fuck you to like New Zealand universities as well. It's basically telling telling our graduates your degree sucks, like -hmm. you're not as good, and and I hate that. I really I I find that really insulting and offensive, and like I believe because I kind of have to our graduates are every bit as good as those people from those top 100 universities and in many cases much better yeah it's it's, it's just not that's just a meaningless thing all it's doing is just saying like we want to be but this is this is the weird thing and I'll wrap up with this that it's just copy pasta ultimately that's why it doesn't matter because where did this policy come from Uh, Liz Trust UK again I can't remember which era like it's just a copy paste of that what they did in the UK um, and this top 100 university thing is just like it's just literally the same rhetoric except in the UK they had a whole bunch of like kind of press conferences and think tanks and PR announcements and nonsense around it so they kind of built it up yeah. Whereas like National just have done nothing to build it up. Oh,
1: because, because they don't have those think tanks here in New Zealand. All the think tanks they listen to are well, over in
0: the UK. Yeah, but they didn't it was more the public facing and kind of media facing side of it. Plus, they're also just too dumb to actually, you know, make that case. Like the main person in National right now who's been talking to the tech industry is Judith Collins. Like, you know, like Nicola Willis and Christopher Luxon do not understand the tech industry at all and they don't have any connections to it they don't know the people who are like doing a good job there it's just so surface level like incredibly incredibly just dist- detached from reality uh, like it's really disturbing um, I'll think, I'll, I'll, think I'll, I'll end on that note I'm just I'm, I'm really concerned that people the public don't understand like because national's like oh yeah we're the business people um I don't think the public broadly understand how how disconnected they actually are from business. Mm. Like yeah. it's just like it's really fucked up. Like yeah. they are, they're just marketing people. Ultimately, they're like Luxon is not an entrepreneur. Like he's there to to market the national brand. Like he's that's that's like the only thing that he's really kind of able to achieve. He do, he doesn't have knowledge. Or kind of connections in the industry he spent most of his career working in a large corporate overseas um you know he he will have handshake kind of recognition with people he doesn't know the ins and outs of, of any of this stuff and it's like and but do they just want to bring over like americans you know is that their solution because well, the americans will tell the kiwis what to do because the kiwis don't know how to build software it's so frustrating eh? I, it's just like oh how do you kind of how do you analyze something like this? Cause it's so incoherent on like one angle, but then it's like so specific and focused on the other. Like, it's just like, what is going on?
1: Yeah. And I think like, Maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll see some more policies come out um, that will at least give some more basis for making claims about why they're doing these things. And, and it might just be, oh, look, these are all coming straight out of Tufton Street. These are all coming straight out of the UK Tory party. Um, right. and And that's what the impetus is. It's just, oh, yeah, someone did this and we need to release a policy. We can get these policies wholesale. Let's just dump them into the public sphere and no one's really going to look into them. So it's fine. And it makes us look like we're doing something. You know it could just yeah. be that marketing drive but so it's like it's actually
0: like it's actually just like a it's it's that's cosplay right that's yeah. cosplay of running a political party not actually running a political party
1: well we might uh wrap it there <laughs> um actually
2: oh, I got, I got just 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 yeah, one yeah, last thing. Of... thought i had you know you know what i actually kind of thinking about it now just kind of seeing seeing national act it's kind of like a heist movie you know, because they're planning this big, massive heist because they know that the government... So, the, so even if you look at, like, things economically in terms of compared to how, how well we're actually doing compared to other OECD countries, we're actually doing really fucking well. But you wouldn't think that in the media. But I think what the heist is, is that they get to be able to have access to all of the hard work, all the all of the economic gains for the next three, six years, So if things do cake, if they win, they can say, oh, you know, it was uh, Labour's fault that shit's like this because that's what it is. It's all a heist. They're basically trying to do a bait and switch. So I'm just kind of thinking about it for me personally, like, you know, after everything that you've kind of explained, I was kind of thinking, dude, this is kind of like Ocean's Eleven, man.
1: (laughs) Except without like the charisma or the talent.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you're right because they don't, you're actually right, Matt, because they don't actually care about any kind of policy or details. If they can get people emotionally invested and scared, making them think that, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, I'm going to lose my place or my neighbors. You know, I'm scared of brown people or people that might have addictions. I'm scared of gay people or, or you know, the LGBTQ community. I'm scared of, of anything that's woke. I'm scared of anything that threatens my, my hypermasculinity. You know, I'm going to vote for national or act because they look like really strong kind of guys but dude it's it's all a smoke screen for a heist they're basically just trying to yeah they know they can't you're right because they know they can't they don't have any facts or any policy yeah. so they're yeah they're all um it's a heist movie guys <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've got a new metaphor <laughs>
1: right. well uh We'll see what happens next week. If you enjoyed this, share it, yada, yada, yada. Um, we had a really fantastic midweek cast as well. Uh, go back and have a listen to that. If you haven't already, it was with Dr. Andrew Dixon around the lack of ACC coverage for babies injured during birth. Uh, really intense conversation. Uh, really was we're able to have, a, um, get some really good detail around the, the politics um, and the kind of health specifics of that issue. Um, one of my favorite podcasts I've recorded this year. So yeah, uh, go have a listen to that as well. Have to do my uh, pitch. We have a pledge to be running. It's in the summary. We are over halfway. We're over halfway to $5,000 um, to fund more critique, more analysis, uh, more reach for independent media. Please consider giving if you've, if you've got the money. Um, we could really use it. Uh, and, you know, maybe one day we can do some work to push back on these narratives that have just become so embedded uh, in New Zealand and allow the right wing to run rampant. Uh, you need left media, um, progressive media, independent media to be making those critiques because no one else is really doing it. If we get a hundred uh, more people with a $25 uh, donation, we we do it. We make it. We make the pledge uh, and we're able to deliver on a whole range of uh, fantastic projects. Uh, so, yep, click that link. Uh, go have a look uh, at the summary and what we have um, planned. Uh, and, and flick us a few dollars if you've got it available. That's been another week of one of 200. We might have a midweek cast next week. We're, we're trying to get as much stuff pushed out to you as possible. But if we don't, I'll catch you next week for our standard current events. Thanks so much to my co-hosts. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you live.
2: Thank you for having me, guys. I'll we'll catch you. This it. is odd and I'm living a pointless life But i learning all your
0: lessons from your politics There's no distinction that wrote to Parnell It's paid with good intentions And I'll admit that I'm at a loss to what to say On their criticism, of
2: course, the autism I live amongst the people every day And this vindictive, forgetful fucking rain It feels like we're on the road to hell